what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith i'm your co-host ryan buell um welcome sir <laughs> hey good to be back yeah uh you had a week off as uh, me and josh tarpley from the uh, word of the nerd and the movie word podcast which hopefully makes sense to you uh now that <laughs> i'm saying it um <laughs> came to join me to talk about oscars uh you can hear our podcast every week at wordofthenerd.com it's called the movie word and yeah, go there for more of me and Josh talking about movies. But this is the before and after show. Uh, and uh, uh, it's been a while, Ryan. I mean, it's been like a week. It's it has a week for me. Yeah, it hasn't <laughs> been like two weeks or anything. But um, have you been watching anything? Honestly, like, I feel terrible this being about movies, but I haven't really watched any new movies or shows. I have been watching a really stupid show on Netflix called Beastmaster. Uh, have I re- you heard of that? So... Here's the thing, because uh, I'm going to talk about two TV shows in a movie. So yeah. <laughs> um, I was just now, I was laying in bed right before you came over. <laughs> and I got on my phone to play a game. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't play this game. I should go watch Beastmaster because I really want to watch it. It's pretty fun, actually. It's you, pretty much just a ripoff of Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior and all that stuff. But I like it because it's inside of a dragon. What? It's inside of a dragon. The opti- I did not the, know that. The uh, obstacle course takes place inside of a dragon. There's three levels. There's the mouth. There's the gullet. The, they don't call it the anus, but it's the anus. Of the so thing. if you get through it, does the dragon just poop you out at the end? Kind of. Then you call climb up like a hundred foot wall. I don't know how that works thematically. Um, right. Does Stallone host it? He, he's in like, he introduces the first episode, but that's about Aww. it. I think he might just have been either a producer or yeah. been just like, hey. Slap your name on this. Slap your name on this. I'm those going on. Okay. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that, right. was, that was the worst. Um, but it's really fun. It's stupid. I've watched like three or four episodes now. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's just fun to watch these guys like do these, all these crazy challenges and like the one I just watched today, like you got all these ripped, you know, muscular athletes, and then just this kind of this dumpy looking hobo looking guy, and he kicks all their butts. Yeah. And that was the point of it. He was like, you know what? I, I just want to show that the average guy can do this. You don't have to have like rippling pectorals. Yeah. You know, you just have to, have, you know, know what your body can do and do it. And it was just, it was fun. It's just a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, is that it? Yeah, that's literally <laughs> been it. Um, uh one of my favorite podcasts got turned into a television show it's uh my brother my brother and me starring the mcelroy brothers um from the adventure zone if you're a D &D person uh um do you listen to the adventure zone i listened like the first five episodes okay yeah um 
So their show is that they take advice from their listeners. The, my brother, my brother, and me is. The Adventure Zone is them playing D&D with their father. Yeah. Um, but it's Griffin, Justin, and Travis McElroy. Um, and they, like, give advice, but usually it's just make jokes about <laughs> the stuff that the people write in mm-hmm. for. And it's hilarious. Like, it's, oh, man, it's so funny. Um, and they got... Uh, they got six episodes of a television show on CISO. I don't know if you've heard of CISO. Mm-hmm. It's a streaming service provided by NBC. Um, okay. That's just comedy shows and comedy specials, like stand-up comedy. Um, so we've been watching that. We watched the first three episodes, and it's just as hilarious as the podcast. Um, your mileage may vary depending on how big of a fan you are of the guys. Mm-hmm. I would recommend starting with the podcast and then making the jump into the TV show for sure. Um, Justin and Griffin also have two of the best shows on YouTube, uh, Monster Factory and Carboys, which are both hilarious. A lot of my entertainment lately is (laughs) McElroy-based. Matter of fact, that's all I listen to when I drive is I've been going through, there's like 350 episodes of the podcast and like, I've been going through all of them. Uh, I'm almost at 100. (laughs) Um, But I've been listening for like two or three months. And... Yeah, so it's hilarious. It's the the premise of the show is they went back home to their uh, hometown of Huntington, West Virginia, home of Marshall University, and uh, the most meth users on the East Coast. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of meth in that town. Um, most of their charity work that they do goes to helping like meth addicts or recovering meth addicts get clean. Um. In their hometown. And so it's, they go back to their hometown and start answering questions. But once again, it's just them being goofy. <laughs> um, that's about it. Like someone writes in that they have a roommate who they're going to be moving in with in college. And the roommate said that they have a bunch of, quote, haunted artifacts that they would like to move in with them. And she was like, uh, sh- should I do that? And then they just go and get a dorm room at Marshall University and try to make it look as haunted as possible. So they didn't really answer the question. <laughs> um, but okay. it was... The exploits were hilarious. Uh, but a lot of it does rely on knowledge of the podcast. Um, certain mm. bits make their way into it that you're like, oh, I recognize that because I listened to the show. Okay. Um, so it's definitely like for fans of the podcast um but it's great and then i started watching powerless oh yeah yeah and again it's great i love it based off of brian michael bendis comic book run is it yeah i didn't know that i thought it was an original series pretty sure that's the one where about the the guy who had superpowers and doesn't have it anymore no i think it's i'm no i'm powerless is about all the citizens in the cities of the dc universe so it follows vanessa hudgens as she goes to her brand new job in charm city uh working for wayne security uh run by none other than mr wayne himself van wayne bruce wayne's cousin and oh the comedy yes okay no i'm sorry go ahead yeah um so uh she is the head of r&d um for 
making products that they market to the civilians in these cities that help them deal with the constant destruction that the superheroes leave in their wake. Yay! And it's that's like a great premise. And then Vanessa Hudgens is a surprisingly good actress, uh, and so she's great in it. But it also has Alan Tudyk as Van Wayne, and he's just like a narcissistic douchebag, and it's great. And then Danny Pudi from Community, Abed from Community, is in it, and he plays like the design guy, and he's like a total like Apple snob guy. Yeah. Uh, and then Ron Funches from Undateable, and At Midnight is on it, and he's just like adorable, and I love him. Uh, and the way they use the DC universe is like really clever. I really like it. Um, Do they ever mention things by name? Or? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, you know, Bruce calls Van all the time, or Van is Van is like obsessed with getting the approval of his cousin Bruce. Okay. And so, um, but the first episode revolves around them. They like develop a product that uses the sense of that uses smell to detect when supervillains are nearby. And you kind of find out that Wayne Security is kind of the Lucius Fox division of uh, Wayne Enterprises. So, like, they hear on the TV that the Joker got captured because Batman used a device that used that captured his smell and he was able to find him at a warehouse. And so you kind of realize that they're, like, stealth making stuff for Batman, but, like, they don't know that Wayne is Batman. Yeah. So they hear it on TV and they're like, oh, dang, that's crazy. He's using our technology. But, like, they don't know that it's because they, they invented the it for him. Uh -huh. um, and so it's just, like, it's super great. It's a little cornball in the, uh, like... Like CW kind of cornball way? Uh, or? Well, it's on NBC, but it's a little cornball. I don't want to... It's Saying it's like full house cornball is a little too much, but it is very like... The lessons we learn at the end of the episodes <clears throat> are very like sappy and sweet. Okay. Um, But there's just like... I don't know. Just the, the way they use the DC Universe is really clever and fun. And like the opening credits are really great. Yeah. Um, because they're all a bunch of famous comic book covers. And they zoom into the hero and then go directly past the hero to like some random citizen in the background. <laughs> and like, and then like that's the cast member. Um, so the first shot is like action comics number one with Superman in the car. Yeah. And so it zooms in and you think you're going to go into the hero shot of Superman and it goes past him to this blonde woman who's like dodging and it says Vanessa Hudgens. And like then it goes to like this guy hiding behind a lamppost and it's like Ron Funches. And I was like, that's really great. Like, that's a really great. That's a cool concept. Yeah. Um, just like, and, and the people in the city are just like super jaded. Um, so like <laughs> she's on the, she's on the, the subway for her first day and she's like, oh, I'm in Charm City. And then like the superheroes show up and she's like, oh my gosh, superheroes. And the, everyone's just like, <sighs> and they get on their phones and they're like, push my meeting by an hour. I'm going to be late. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's like really, I don't know. It's a really cool take on stuff yeah. and and i like it um i just don't understand how they're doing such good work on television but not in the movies probably because there's more creative freedom in the tv market yeah whereas with the movie market they've got we need this we need this we need to be earning this much yeah so i'm sure that's but if they would only release those reins and let people be creative with the properties and actually yep. do well with them You'd have a DC universe that could rival Marvel. Yeah. But they're shooting themselves in their own foot. The other thing I want to talk about is Bill Paxton. Mm. Uh, Bill Paxton passed away Saturday afternoon at the age of 61. Um, not that old comparatively. Uh, 
due to complications from heart surgery. Um, I don't know what type of heart surgery, but heart surgery. Uh, man, it's such a bummer. Yeah. Um, Bill Paxton, he just kind of ruled. Like, he didn't... We were talking a little bit off mic, and Ryan, you said he didn't have the most prestigious film career, uh, especially towards the end there. Um, but I always liked seeing him show up and stuff. Uh, he did have some iconic roles. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Aliens is like the youngest, mm-hmm. or earliest I remember seeing him. Terminator 1. Terminator 1. Um, Predator 2. Predator 2. He's in Predator 2? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, he is in that. Um, Twister mm-hmm. with uh, Helen Hunt, mm-hmm. which I always I remember liking that movie. Yeah. He was, he was just always a solid actor. Like He never did like a terrible terrible job at anything no he was he was like he was what's known as a character actor which were these kind of like goofy supporting guys um someone like steve buscemi is a character actor you know mm-hmm. they're i wrote the obituary over at word of the nerd for him and and it kind of like character actors i think are the unsung heroes of movies uh they often get regulated to being called that guy mm-hmm. um you know he, they're the types of people who you don't commit their name to memory but like when they show up, you're like, yeah, all mm. right, it's it's good to see you. Yeah. Uh, Steven Tobolowski is the ultimate that guy. Um, I don't know if you know who that is. I don't know the name. Uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Um, I guarantee you, you know who Steven Tobolowski is. He is in Memento. He's the guy. He's Sammy Jankis in Memento. Um, I got nothing there. Is he bald? Mm-hmm. Okay, then I know who you're talking about. Yep. Uh, I know the actor. He does a lot. You recognize him from a million things, but I never knew his name. Yeah, exactly. And I think Paxton was kind of that guy. Stephen yeah, Tobolowski. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there it's always that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, and Paxton was always kind of that guy, I think, for a generation of people. You know, he showed up in Twister. He was always a supporting character. Uh, he was never really the focus of any of, of the movies he was in, except yeah. maybe Twister. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love that guys for some reason. There's something about him. Um, I think if I were an actor... Um, those are the types of roles that I would gravitate towards because they, their job is to show up and have fun and then the audience gets to have fun. And I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not really beholden to carrying the weight of the narrative on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, they just show up and just be goofy and then leave uh, and then come back as the plot needs them. So Bill Paxton was that. Uh, and Bill Paxton was always that to me. And he always looked like he was having fun. Like, Every time I saw him in something, I looked at he was game for whatever he was doing. Yeah. Even if it was goofy or, like, kind of bad. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm going to miss, I don't know, I'm going to miss Bill Paxton. What about you, Ryan? Um. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to miss him. I mean, um, I think he was a good actor for, for what he was in. Um. Yeah. Uh, he. It's, you know. I guess I don't have a whole lot to say on the subject because yeah. you don't you don't really know the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm sad to see him go, and I'm I mean, it's such a you know kind of seemingly sudden circumstance. Yeah. To, to be gone. Yeah. Um. What are some of your favorite Paxton roles? Definitely Aliens. Mm-hmm. That that's a classic for him. That one. Um. I just remember I I really liked him in True Lies. 
with uh-huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, if I remember correctly, I really liked him in Twister. Yeah. He was pretty good in that. Apollo 13? That's right! Oh, that would have to be my favorite role with him. Because that one was the most kind of straight-laced character mm-hmm. I've ever seen him play. Uh, for me, the three big ones for me, uh, I love him in Edge of Tomorrow. He's the goofy drill sergeant guy. Yeah. He's very great in that movie. Tombstone as Morgan Earp. Uh, the youngest of the Earp children. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his death in that movie is super intense. Yeah. Um, and when he's dying on the pool table and he's like, they were, they were wrong, Wyatt, I don't see a damn thing. Oh, man. Like, his death is the catalyst for the rest of the movie. And, yeah. like, oh, gosh, I love that movie so much. Uh, and then my all-time favorite Paxton performance uh, is also in a film he directed. Frailty. I remember that one. He played the father, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a heck of a movie. I love that movie so much. Uh, I actually, we just watched it within the last year, and boy, does that thing hold up. It is, it was one of the first horror movies that I ever saw that kind of started to turn my mind on the genre. Yeah, seeing um, what it could be. Yeah, it's a real good Southern Gothic uh horror movie it's go check that out if you haven't seen it that was always my go-to when i worked at blockbuster and hollywood video whenever people would come in and they would be like i want something that's kind of like overlooked or off the beaten path or whatever i'd be like you gots to see frailty and uh more often than not people would come back and be like do you know where i can buy this movie (laughs) why yes (laughs) yes i do uh yeah frailty man go see frailty uh that was as soon as i found out he died i was just like oh man people are gonna revisit frailty and i am okay with that yeah it's one of the few horror movies i've seen that actually uh it was an interesting watch and it didn't make me go it's not like super gruesome no it's just very dark yeah very dark subject matter but it's interesting movie Mm -hmm. very interesting really well made too like there's uh, there's not a lot of fat on it um which is good uh yeah and he directed it and he's like pretty good in it he's not like he's not goofy in it Mm -hmm. like he he gets into some he unlocks some dark parts of himself in that movie like it's it's real good um so yeah bill paxton will be missed i uh I always liked that guy. Maybe he wasn't making the best career choices with a training day television show. Yeah. But what are you going to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if... I don't know what the ratings on that show were like. I can't imagine they're good. I don't know anyone who wants a training day television <laughs> program. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if like... I assume they're done filming the first season... And so it'll be interesting to see if it just goes away. I think it might, because he was the main character. Yeah. Like, he was he was the main dude <laughs> in Training Day. So, uh, yeah. I know he, he got a bunch of Emmy nominations for his work on Big Love, which I didn't watch. Um, but he got a bunch of Emmy... Or Golden Globe nominations, he got three. Uh, he got one Emmy nomination for his work in a, a History Channel miniseries called The Hatfields and the McCoys, I think with Kevin Costner. Hmm. Although I could I be about that one. wrong about that, and just because it's a western, I put Kevin Costner in it. Yeah, that's where he belongs. Yeah, um, yeah, Bill Paxton, you will be missed, man. Uh, we're gonna take a short break and come back to talk about uh, Logan. <laughs> Hello, 
we're here to talk about Logan. Um, Logan is the latest movie in the X-Men franchise, I think. Mm, yeah. For all intents and purposes, it's the latest movie in the X-Men franchise. It's the third in a trilogy of Wolverine movies. Yeah. I guess um, the, the the movies the the Wolverine movies have been yeah. incredibly disjointed uh, yeah. both as pieces of film but also as, continuity yeah in terms of continuity no like the timeline of these X Men movies doesn't make a lick of sense to me yeah well even after the um, soft reboot if you will with the uh, Days, Days of, of Future, Future Past. Past. Certain things still don't make sense. No, no, and like the characters in Apocalypse are in different spots than they were at the than like they were set up for at yeah. the end of Days of Future Past. It doesn't. I'm starting to get a little annoyed with the timeline. Like they need to blow it up and come back. I think. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, so continuing in that tradition, Logan is coming out this weekend, and it is in the very far future. Yeah, it's post-apocalyptic, mm -hmm. far, far future, based off of a graphic novel by Mark Millar called Old Man Logan. Yeah. And dealing basically with the, the final days of the Wolverine, like, his death and, like, it meaning something. Yeah. No, spoilers, sorry. Yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, I was going to talk, talk about that later. Like, the only way this movie could end is with him dying. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it has to. It definitely has to. Yeah, and so... Hugh Jackman has never, there's never been another actor to play Wolverine on screen, yeah. um, unless you count the voice actor from the 90s cartoon show and the Wolverine and the X-Men show. Yeah. But uh, as far as live action, like, Hugh Jackman has been it. He's been this it. is the role that put him on the map. He's been playing this role for 17 years now, and it's, like, kind of a big deal. Uh are you an X-Men fan? Oh, yeah. Ever since the very first X-Men movie. I've, I've loved the franchise. I've stuck with it through thick and through extremely thin. <laughs> um, and I, I love the rebooted ones. I, I love Days of Future Past. I even liked um, Apocalypse. Um, hated Origins. Gosh. The, the Wolverine movie, the one that's in Japan, was okay. I've, actually, I've only seen it once. I need to see it again. Two-thirds um, really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would consider myself invested in the world and super, super stoked for this. I think, I think they will do it justice. Yeah. I think they'll do the, the Wolverine doing right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm not the hugest Marvel guy in terms of the comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I read comics, I usually choose DC over Marvel. And so I'm not very well versed in the uh, mythology of the X-Men. I kind of know who the characters are and that's about it. I didn't, yeah. my relationship with comic books is very strange because I know for a lot of folks in our generation, our introduction to it were the, those 90s shows. Those 90s shows were too serialized for my child brain. Um, it always felt like I needed to have seen the previous episode. Mm. Um, and so I never, re I was always confused about what was going on in the in the shows because I didn't really start them all from the beginning. So, like, I've never really watched the X-Men cartoon. I've never really watched that Spider-Man cartoon that was, like, most of our generation's introduction to Spider-Man. It's a good one. I've never really seen a lot of the Batman animated series. Um, Dude, you have to. I know, They're but it, so there's good. it's not, like, compiled anywhere, really. None of that crap is. 
Um, and so it's like hard to watch. Like you would have to download it or buy the seasons or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's not like a big box set I can just go buy and, and work that'd my be, way through. Be good to go, yeah. Um, and so like I kind of missed the boat on that stuff and came to comics pretty late in life. And I've always liked the the movies. X-Men, the original X-Men was one of the first times I saw movies with my friends in a theater. And uh, so that has like a special place in my heart. I have a feeling that movie doesn't hold up that well. Um, I think it holds up fine. I mean, um, it was it was a pioneer of its day. Mm-hmm. Because basically you've got the original X-Men and Spider-Man mm-hmm. with um, Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. They really were the, the trailblazers for kind of the modern superhero movies we have now. Yeah. Um, before that... You had a smattering of not really good ones. You had a, the Punisher with the guy that played Carl Drago. Can't remember the actor's name. Ivan Drago. Uh, Ivan Drago. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, that guy. You had that. Um, that Captain America movie. Captain America movie, which I think was a TV movie. Yeah. Um, I think literally probably the first well-known and actually Marvelly, Marvelly, Marvel-owned character was Blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which not a lot of people know, but is actually that is a comic book character. So technically, it's a comic book movie, but it's sold to an audience of everybody because vampires killing vampires. Yeah. Um, but yeah, X Men and, and Spider Man were kind of the, the trailblazers for that. Um, and X Men is interesting. It Brian Singer treated it as sci fi mm. and less as a superhero, which is why they're wearing they're not wearing the spandex or anything like that. They're wearing the Leather. Leather combat stuff. So he treated it more as like a science fiction thing. It's only later on, within the last few years, that he's embraced the, oh, this is what people want. They mm-hmm. want the bright costumes, which, you know, uh, makes sense. You want that kind of the same thing that you saw as a kid. You know, yeah. I want to see Wolverine, and the, the which we still haven't. And I don't think we ever will with Hugh Jackman, at least. Uh, you know. No, and there's a reason, actually. Uh, oh, they, they interviewed the director about that, or they asked him about it. And he said that the, the at least the version of Wolverine in the movies doesn't really want to be recognized for what he does. And the Wolverine costume is very flashy. And uh, so he just can't see that Wolverine this iteration of Wolverine wearing that flashy of a costume because this Wolverine doesn't really want to bring too much attention to what he's doing. Mm. Um, Which is fair. Makes sense. Yeah. That's a Um, fair point. Excuse me. Yeah. I, so I really like that first X-Men movie actually. Uh, I really like it. It's probably my favorite X-Men. No. First classes. Mm. But uh, I'm the guy so here's 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 my weird take on the X-Men. I've talked about this, I think, on the X-Men Apocalypse episodes. My weird take on this is I didn't have a lot of this comics knowledge headed into the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. So when The Last Stand came around, which is widely regarded as one of the worst X-Men movies, mm-hmm. I didn't really care. Like, I didn't realize that they were wrecking, like, what the characters were. So I was just kind of fine with it. Um... I think there was a point in time where you could say I, I liked the movie and I I haven't seen it really since it was out. So I guess I would still say that. But like my thing is like I didn't have all that history with them. So when they kill Cyclops, it was just like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but like no one was like, like I didn't it didn't really connect with like, what the F? Like you can't kill Cyclops. Yeah. Um, 
And so just like the way they quote ruined the characters in that movie had no effect on me mm-hmm. <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but like, I think X2 is really boring. And people think that's the like the crown jewel of that franchise, and I like that one a lot. But I can see it. Everyone does. That's the most probably one. X Men First Class is probably the most well regarded, with X Two, uh, X Men United being in second place. And I cannot get into that movie. I've tried like three or four times, and I think it's way long. I like Nightcrawler in it, yeah. uh, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, maybe I need to watch it again. I don't know. The Wolverine movies, Origins is terrible. Origins is terrible. Uh, and the Wolverine is two-thirds, like, pretty good. Yeah. Origins has a funny story in that... Well, hang on. Um, so Wolverine, Hugh Jackman has played this character for 17 years. Yeah. He is the physical embodiment of the character as far as we're concerned. Yeah. And it's widely known that this is his last performance as Logan. Which I think all signs point to he dies. Yeah. Uh, he dies an old man Logan, and uh, he's got to die here. I can't imagine them recasting the role. Mm. I don't, like, I don't know who, like, I guess you could do an, uh, an unknown. This is the role that put him on the map. Yeah. Um, he was basically, a, like, Australia's Neil Patrick Harris up until that point. Yeah. Uh, and and this made him, like, a huge action star. And, like, it, like this franchise and this character is what gave the world Hugh Jackman. And that's kind of cool, and I like that, and I like the legacy wrapped up in Logan. Yeah. But I think that character hasn't been served super well by his own solo adventures. Yeah. I'll, I'll, here, here's my take. I think this will cap off the Hugh Jackman version of Wolverine. It says they're rebooting everything, bring in a new actor to play him, which I know for a lot of people is sacrilege. But I think someone else can do a better job. I think we haven't yet seen a truly, truly savage Wolverine. I think we're going to get a real good look at him in Logan. Yeah. I think this in Logan is going to be the the best representation of the character thus far, uh, because of the savagery and because mm-hmm. of the literal terror of a guy of the reality of this guy has knives in his hands. He's going to be jacking people up, and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to yeah. be kind of horrifying to watch. I think that'll be done really well. But I think someone else can come along and portray the character differently and mm-hmm. have more of that kind of... Because Hugh Jackman's a likable guy. And yeah. I don't think he can help that. Even as Logan, he's likable. <laughs> um, so I think another actor can come in there and kind of give another shade, another side to the mm-hmm. character that's a bit more gruff and you have to kind of get through the layers to get to that kind of heart of gold guy. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like Hugh Jackman's just real handsome. Yeah. You know, like he's just like a really dashing guy. And so because of that, it's just like, you want to root for him. Like he looks like an old time Hollywood, like Errol Flynn actor guy. Mm -hmm. And so you're immediately on his side and logan is supposed to ride the line a little bit more um mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a little more complicated uh and hugh jackman's good in the role uh you can tell he gives a crap which yeah. i think is is awesome you know i i know he's always said that like the reason he's kept doing these roles is be this role is because of the fans um and he said that when he was first cast like it was a huge deal because for him like he just felt a ton of pressure because he was like this is a someone 
This is someone people get tattoos of. American icon. Yeah, like, I have to do this guy justice. And, you know, when fans were lining up for the Wolverine three days in advance, he brought them coffee and donuts every morning, which I was like, that's so awesome. Like, Hugh Jackman is a likable guy. And so I always like seeing him in this role, and I like watching him act. But, like, Origins is terrible. Uh, The Wolverine's two-thirds great. Um, And he's, he's... good in the the you know x-men one two and three he's the best part of x-men days of future past yeah, i thought yeah um by like a lot i thought his cameo in apocalypse was real stupid yeah um and so i just think he hasn't been served the best material for wolverine yeah so we're, i'm gonna focus kind of on on well yeah I want to focus on the first two Wolverine movies uh, a little bit. So X-Men Origins Wolverine is supposed to tell the origin of Wolverine, but also that's kind of money because X-Men 2 kind of told the origin of Wolverine. They were supposed to tie together somehow. Like, X-Men Origins was basically um, from childbirth to show that he is kind of an immortal character. Mm. Because he lived, you know, back during the civil war i guess was the time yeah um and that correlated to the comic book that came out right um and all that um x-men 2 did x-men 2 give his origin it just kind of gave flashbacks flashbacks yeah yeah um even then though the the problem with the x-men movies is they're not consistent with their continuity yes and that you know then they all they don't really address it Sometimes they do, but most of the time they're just like, hey, it's a comic movie, move on. on." Yeah, because, like, Days of Future Past, he ends, like, he's got his bone claws again, and he ends being taken off by Mystique, Mystique, but, like, he's, but then in Apocalypse, he's just Weapon X, and Mystique acts like she doesn't know it, like, it's so weird, man. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, and then, um... And then the Wolverine takes place at some indeterminate time between the X-Men movies. It's like after everyone is gone. I think it's after three. After three, yeah. Most of the people are dead. Um, and yeah, it gets go, goes away to Japan. And that one is... Because that's supposed to be him dealing with Jean Grey <coughs> Or the fact with... that he killed Jean. I think it's that. Um, yeah, him dealing with that. But then at the end of the movie, he sees Professor X... And Magneto show up, and that's never explained how that happened, even though that was, I guess, tying into Days of Future Future Past, Past. but it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Like, nothing really gets explained. You're you're pretty much just given the the rule of cool. Like, eh, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah. There's no logical sense. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Um, So figuring out the timeline is is intense. Yeah. and then the quality of these movies, like we said, is all over the place. It's I think X-Men is one of the least consistent fran- franchises out there in terms of quality. I feel like I like every other one. I truly love maybe two of them. <laughs> um, yeah. And so Origins had a weird story in that it was plagued by a bunch of production issues. And then a work print of the movie got leaked online. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-mm. A work print of the movie got leaked online um, with unfinished effects. And I remember definitely watching that illegally. <laughs> mm. um, 
not because I wanted to see the Wolverine movie before it came out. That was part of it. I'm not saying that didn't play a role in it, but a lot of the effects were like still the wireframe stuff. And I've never seen a work print before and I'm likely never going to. So it was more, I like, I went after it as kind of an artifact. I'm not trying to justify my illegal viewing of the film Mm -hmm. um, by saying like, I had much nobler intentions of viewing it as like a piece of the filmmaking process. (laughs) I was, it was just like a curiosity, like an oddity for me. And so I watched it and I was like, this is kind of terrible. Maybe it's just because the effects aren't there really. And so I remember going to see it opening day. Um, so I did pay to go see it, uh, which is how I, that's how I justify watching the illegal work print is I still paid to go see the movie. And not only was it bad, uh, my theater had a bunch of technical issues. Uh, so you know the part where he's in the barn and the barn explodes? Yeah. No sound for that explosion whatsoever in my theater. (laughs) That's creepy. Yeah. It was terrible. And so... It was just a bad viewing experience. I haven't seen the movie since. I don't care to. It looked like garbage. It has some of the worst CG I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene where he's like looking at his claws in the mirror and he's sharpening them? Yeah. So bad. It's bad. So bad. Uh, and then the Wolverine um, brought on James Mangold. And yeah. I want to talk about James Mangold for a second. I am so excited that Logan is at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes right mm-hmm. now. And I'm so excited that people are going to go see Logan because, uh, not because of Hugh Jackman. Like, Hugh Jackman's fine. I'm so excited people are going to get on board with James Mangold now. Mm -hmm. I think James Mangold has been doing 20 years of solid work and no one's given a crap. Mm -hmm. Uh, He directed Copland with Stallone, which I don't know if you've seen. I have. It's a ridiculously good movie. It's one of Stallone's best performances. Yeah. Um, It's an amazing movie. Like, go watch Copland if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, and then he directed Walk the Line, mm-hmm. which is a great biopic. Um, it's pretty straightforward, but the attention to detail he has in that movie is amazing. Um, that movie has one of the most subtle storytelling things I've ever seen in a movie, and I thought it was, I think it's amazing. Towards the end of the movie, he, it's like the last shot of the movie, basically. Johnny Cash, played by Joaquin Phoenix, gets onto his tour bus. And he ends up taking a cigarette out from between the fingers of his guitar player, Luther Perkins, and putting it out for him because he fell asleep with the cigarette in his hand. Luther Perkins in real life died because he fell asleep with a cigarette in between his hands and it fell on the floor and it caught his house on fire and he died. Mm. That shows that this guy did his research to go out of his way to put that in his movie. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was like, I th- that the first time I noticed that was like the fourth time I had seen Walk the Line. And I was yeah. like, man, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's like, that was kind of the movie where I was like, okay, I like the James Mangold guy. And then he did 310 to Yuma, which mm. I freaking love that movie so, so much. I think Christian Bale's great in that movie. I think mm. Russell Crowe's amazing in that movie. Mm. I think that movie, uh, uh, also features a great performance from Ben Foster, who's another guy yeah. who I feel like Ben Foster is the James Mangold of actors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he just he's amazing, but nobody knows it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Foster also in X Men: The Last Stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he did uh, 
Night and Day, which is one of the best action comedies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is a brilliant satire of the types of movies Tom Cruise usually makes. Mm-hmm. And nobody got it, and that's how you can tell it's a good satire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie's hysterically funny, and people didn't re- realize it. Like, I know a bunch of people who watched that movie and didn't know that it was supposed to be funny. I don't know how you watch a movie like that and not pick up that it's supposed to be hilarious because yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, so I just, I like, and I thought James Bangold handled the tone of that movie perfectly. I, we saw that together, actually. I think we did, yeah. I yeah, that movie. and I like, I had a ridiculously good time with that movie. And then he made The Wolverine, which is kind of the movie that saved Wolverine a little bit after mm. Origins. Like, it is a significant improvement over Origins. Yeah. But the Wolverine has a lot of problems in the third act when Silver Samurai shows up. Yeah. A lot of problems. And, but it's a pretty solid movie. There's some cool stuff in it. He does some really good character building with Logan in it. Um, the train fight is awesome in that movie yeah. when they're fighting on top of the high-speed train. Um, like, that scene is great. Yeah. Uh, full stop, great. And so... He's coming back to finish off this trilogy that he kind of saved from the mire. And it looks like this dude is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I think I think this one, the, the kitty gloves came off. And they mm-hmm. said, end this character right. Let's end it how it should be done. Let's, what do you want? Basically, here's a check, blank check, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And I think they gave it to him. Because I've been excited for this movie since the freaking teaser trailer. Yeah. Like, I just the, from the tone, you're just like, yes. Yep, mm-hmm. right on. This is what it needs to be. This is a redemption story. This is a horror story, in a sense, because of what these guys are going to be doing. <clears throat> it's a comic book movie taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, what if... They're playing the what if game. What if this guy lived, and he's basically an immortal... Everybody who loves dies, which I love the Johnny Cash song. Mm. They had the um, "Hurt Myself Today," mm-hmm. the uh, my Nine Inch Nails, you know, and just seeking redemption. And then here shows up this girl, X twenty three, and <laughs> it's kind of staring him in the face, like here's you, you know, here's a reason to live, reason to keep going. And uh, and I love the fact that Charles is in it because yeah. that's quite fitting because they kind of began this journey together. It's fitting that they would end it together. Mm-hmm. And I love all the the tone of the movie, just everything. I know I'm kind of all over the map. No, what fine. I'm talking about, but I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, I. So here's the thing that becomes very apparent when you look at um, James Mangold's career. He's really into heroes um he's really into what i'm gonna rephrase that he's really into iconography um he likes making movies about icons specifically american icons um you know with copland he stallone is an american icon he casts stallone for a reason um in a way uh, uh you know um, I, for the most part, this is a political can of worms I don't want to open, but like police are seen as American heroes and icons, right? Um, especially the cops that can stand up against corruption. Like we like stories of, um, good cops in corrupt, uh, uh, uh police jurisdictions doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. that's what Copland is about, right? And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash is an American icon. He, 
And, you know, it's a lovingly told biopic about this American icon's life. And some of it, like, didn't really happen. So he does take some, uh, like, creative license and, and do some myth-making with it. But that's kind of the point. Like, the myth-making of that strengthens the identity of that icon. Mm-hmm. Um, 310 to Yuma, he takes the cowboy. You know, the cowboy is an American icon, um, you know, on on a long cattle drive. But on this one, it's like a human uh, it's basically like a human cattle drive to <laughs> yeah. to get Russell Crowe to the train. Um, and it's also a remake of a John Ford movie. John Ford made a ton of westerns in the 50s. He's an American icon. He loves these things. He does a takedown, a deconstruction of Tom Cruise movies. Tom Cruise is an American icon. Yeah. Wolverine is an American icon. But what he does in these Wolverine movies is he's able to draw on those... Uh, western influences those lone you know pale rider uh man with no name influences that inform wolverine and so he's able to get not just an american icon but he's also able to make him a samurai a japanese icon and a cowboy an american icon and specifically um you know like a clint eastwood man with no name type which is a little bit an icon in italy you know he's he's able to globalize the iconography of Wolverine. Yeah. And this movie looks like he's going all in on that. Um, You know, he's making him both samurai and cowboy in this movie. Mm. And, you know, it looks like a Western plays like a samurai movie is kind of how it seems. And uh, I am super excited about that um, because I think, I think making the myth of the Wolverine this conclusion to it, I think, can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they kind of let him do what needs to be done to solidify Hugh Jackman's legacy in the role is really promising. Um, I also think the tone of the trailer is like the hurt uh, is really good. And also, I don't know if you saw the Super Bowl spot that they did um, where Amazing Grace plays in the background. Oh, yeah, I did see that one. Really yeah. good. <laughs> They're really definitely good. they're they're playing the redemption mm-hmm. side. Yes, definitely. So I think I think James Mangold is one of the best uh, uh, makers of icons in, or uh, he explores icons in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, if you look at his filmography, and so I think Logan is going to be a really good exploration of an icon, kind of the way I honestly think it's going to be kind of almost the Dark Knight of the. Uh, x-men movies Mm -hmm. um in the way like christopher nolan really explores the icon of batman in that movie but also flip side of that logan's rated r yeah um first time first time logan has been rated r yeah deadpool was obviously a smash hit last year um it was rated r had a lot of language had a lot of violence um had a lot of sexual stuff in it um but it was a huge hit uh you know and uh, for better or worse, people took their kids. Like, the, no, the, yeah. yeah. I, um, no. That's going to happen with Logan. Uh, it's just going to because they've been watching Logan in all these PG-13 movies growing up. And so parents are just going to let their kids go see Logan. Like, there are going to be kids at Logan. There are arguably going to be more kids at Logan than Deadpool. Yeah, it's just um, makes me sad. And by all accounts, Logan is gorier than John Wick Chapter 2. Yep. Um, based on what I've seen, I believe that to be true, and I've read several reviews that said, not just is it gorier than um, 
John Wick Chapter 2, I've read a few reviews that said it's one of the most violent movies some of these critics have ever seen. Which, so, yeah. I kind of want to talk about that. Um, okay. The R-rated superhero. Um, mm. Superheroes, like, there are R-rated comic books for all their comic books aimed at mature audiences. Yeah. And Punisher comic books, uh, basically yeah. anything Mark Millar does. Yeah, um, kick-ass and all that Well, stuff. yeah, kick-ass, but even with the the superheroes that, have, that were initially created for children, yeah. right? That's where, that's where I like this conversation is with these characters that are uh intended were originally intended for children right you know batman the x-men mm-hmm. the comic books were aimed at kids and now we're seeing yes these kids who kind of grew up with them in the 90s we're all grown up we're of this late 20s early 30s age where you know these adult takes don't bother us but also it's something we do want to share with our kids i know you and i both don't have kids mm-hmm. but we're gonna eventually and we're gonna want to share those stories with them yeah um, so is, like, should R-rated superhero things, like, should that be a thing, specifically with, um, the pre-existing comic. comic book characters, like, comic book characters that were not initially intended for mature audiences, like, so, like, Kick-Ass, for example, I yeah. think should be rated R because it was written for adults. It was adults. intended for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends on the character. Uh, I believe the, I believe the Wolverine... To a certain extent, kind of deserves that, um, because of um, because of who the character is, and the struggles that he actually has, and being a violent person. I mean, the tagline that is most famous for him is, "I'm the best that there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice." Mm-hmm. And I think this movie will very much exemplify that. It's not a kitty thing. It's um, you know, dude's got claws on his hands. Hmm, what happens when you stab someone like that? It's gonna get gory. Um, but in terms of, uh, sorry, I got lost in the question. Oh, that's <laughs> no fine. talking. Um, do you need me to repeat the question? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so, sh- so is there a spot for R-rated superhero stories with characters that were initially not conceived as for yeah. adults? Um, I would say yes, and I, but uh, with a caveat of it, it depends on the character. Like an R-rated Spider-Man movie, <laughs> not going to fly. R-rated Punisher movie or Wolverine movie, makes sense, because they're a darker character, and so it would make logical sense that they would go to a darker place. So uh, I would say yes, but with only certain characters could I see them being legit, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Um yeah, I. It's this is one of those questions that it depends on the day you ask me. Um, there are certain days, like uh, taking Deadpool for instance, like Deadpool's a kind of historically immature character, yeah, but pretty PG thirteen when you think when you read his comics. He's only got a handful of arcs that are um, whatever the comic book system rated, like M, not not M, yeah. but for mature he, audiences. He did have a run with. Um... Deadpool Max, mm-hmm. which is basically with the movie but in comic book form. Right. Um, but I think I think that, you know, those 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 arcs are less common when it comes to Deadpool even. Uh, mm-hmm. even now I think the comics are pretty PG thirteen. Um Yeah. But so it kinda was like you know, so so there was the camp of people that were like, Oh, if you're gonna do a Deadpool movie, it's gotta be rated R and it was kind of like, Well, the comics aren't really. Mm. Um like some of them are, but not all of them are. But then again, I do see like the Punisher 
Um, that makes sense. Daredevil was kind of a weird one to have, like, the TV MA. I remember that, like, yeah. that really threw me off guard uh, when I watched the trailer. And it's, you know, it had the rating in the upper left-hand corner. It's a TV sure MA. Audience. And I was like, what the F? Like, I was like, what is what? Especially when you consider his origin as wearing mm-hmm. bright orange. Yeah, well, and his origin being can I, tied to, gosh, and his origin being tied to, uh, however loosely, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Um, yeah, that just kind of threw me off guard, but then, you know, with Jessica Jones, it does make sense that she would have a mature rated thing given her origin, mm-hmm. like her origin is very R-rated. Punisher 2, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think that makes sense, um. I think to a certain extent, Batman maybe, depending on what iteration of Batman you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Superman never like. <laughs> yeah, he should never be brooding. Yeah. Looking at at you, Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess you're right. I don't know. Like I said, I go back and forth on yeah, it. Yeah, and I could. Uh, I mean, like, I could flip flop at the same time because especially when I have kids, I'd be like, oh, I wish this wasn't R because yeah. it's such a good character. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I, I feel like with this, he's earned it hmm. because people have been clamoring for a Wolverine movie where you see him let loose. And I mm-hmm. think this will be the first time, like I said, that we'll actually see the logical result. <laughs> I know I'm repeating myself a lot. Right. The logical result of a guy with claws in his hands going but against humans. And you know I do, I mean? like, I definitely see that aspect of it too because i think one of the major and kind of valid criticisms that these marvel these pg-13 marvel movies get is like so many people die and there's no real consequences to it there kind of are in civil war civil war is kind of a little bit making up for all of that mass destruction and death that they caused but like you know when you see people get crushed by rubble in a marvel movie there's not brains everywhere and there would be and so it can I think it can work to desensitize a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that... Um, what was I going to say? I totally forgot where... I totally can, lost my train of thought. It can work to desensitize. I, yeah, I think it, I think it can work to desensitize. Uh, but I also understand how like you need to make these things have mass appeal and, you know, appeal to, like, you know, if you're going to spend $200 million on a movie, it can't be rated R. um yeah it can't because r-rated movies don't make as much money as pg-13 movies that's just the nature of making r-rated movies um no matter how many people you know will take their kids to go see logan it would not it's still not going to make as much money as a pg-13 well logan might be a pretty big grossing r-rated movie but you know um i would say like even deadpool like deadpool set records for R-rated movies. Deadpool did not set records for movies. Yeah. Um, and so... And like I said, a bunch of kids went to go see Deadpool. Like, they that shouldn't have. Yeah. But, you know, and if there was a PG-13 Deadpool, that movie would have made all the money, I feel like. Um, and so I kind of get why you wouldn't make that, but it also is just like, okay, well, these guys do have to deal with the consequences of knocking down buildings left and right. You know, that was one of the complaints about man of steel is like, he causes nine 11, like four times over in that movie. And, uh, there's almost no consequences, at least in that movie. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm fascinated by that conversation of like the R rated, superhero 
because it kind of doesn't make sense, especially because the superheroes kind of stand for goodness, you know, and justice. Um, But at the same time, a dude with knife hands is going (laughs) to cause some blood. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But I think I think it's safe to say we're both pretty pretty excited about. What I mean, we're so far this year hasn't let me down. John Wick was amazing. Dude, yeah, and I, I have a feeling this will this will hold up. So every Still. movie I've seen this year, I have liked or loved. Uh, I haven't seen a bad movie in a theater this year. Um, I like John Wick. I loved it. Lego mm-hmm. Batman. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Get Out. I loved it. Split. I loved it. Like I'm. So far, 2017 is popping off. Like, it's been a really good year, and we're only two months in. Yeah. I think, I think Logan is going to continue that trend. I hope it does. I think, uh, I think Hugh Jackman looks really good in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's going to be his best performance as Logan. I think Professor X is going to be really good in it. I think he's going to die as well. Uh, yeah. Although he's died once before and that didn't seem to matter. Yeah. Well, this one I think will be more more permanent. Yeah. Like, wherever I mean, that little girl is. I've heard she's amazing. Yeah. Um, all the reviews I've read have said she's like the secret star of the movie, basically. Um, they did add a post credit scene after the initial press screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they screened it for the press last week. And then the next day they added a post credit scene that the press has not seen yet. Mm. So... I'm interested, kind of, but also I don't understand why a movie like that would have, unless they're building to an X-23 movie. That would be dope. Yeah. I'd be down for that. So, okay, so I guess to kind of leave us off, what's what's the deal with X-23? I don't really know anything about it. So, <clears throat> spoilers for the movie, potentially, uh, if you don't know the history. X-23 is the... Um, um, the program that made Wolverine what the, what he is, basically putting the adamantium on his bones and giving him the metal claws, they tried to reproduce him. And so they tried to make clone after clone after clone of him. So X-23 is literally a clone of the him. The 23rd clone the of him. The 23rd clone of him. Um, it was his, Wolverine's... Uh, genome i think is the right term yeah mixed with uh, another woman's egg and then that is what has made x-23 so she has the same abilities as he does um she's got except instead of three claws she's got two in both hands mm-hmm. and actually she's got a claw in each foot oh that come out uh and she had the same procedure done to her with the adamantium skeleton with the adamantium skeleton because she's skeleton because she's got the same abilities Okay. But she's got a lot of his personality, mm. a lot of him, a lot of his flaws are in her, which is why it's perfect that she comes along because it's kind of like a, a mirror mm-hmm. to him about about things. Um, but she's a great character. She originally came out, she wasn't even originally in comic books. She was from a uh, X-Men Evolution cartoon. Uh-huh. Uh, and she was created there, but she was so beloved that they gave her a comic book origin. Oh, kind of the kind of the Harley Quinn. Very much like the Harley Quinn, and now she's like a mainstay of the comic book. She's got her own. She actually took over. She she is now known as the Wolverine mm. in the comic books because Wolverine in the comic books died, and so now she's kind of taken up the mantle because she kind of sees him as a father figure. Right. And so I think that'll definitely be a, a play here, and I'd be curious to see if they might with that post credit scene hint at that possibly especially 
given the fact that she was an X-Man fan. Mm-hmm. So maybe be, that'd be interesting to see what they yeah. do there. And then who are the other characters we see? Robot Arm Boy? And, um, uh, those I don't know. I actually haven't read The Old Man Logan, but I'm okay. pretty sure they're key characters from that series. Okay. I don't think they are. I've heard that it's very... I think that the only thing it has in, in common with Old Man Logan is Logan's old. Oh, okay. Um, that's I, I heard a review... I listened to a review today of it that said, like, it basically doesn't have anything in common aside from the fact that they're old. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but there's, like, the pale guy that's in the cage or whatever, like... Creepy-looking dude. Yeah. Uh, played by Stephen Merchant, of all people, who's a British comedian, does a lot of work with Ricky Gervais. Uh, hmm. He's actually Ricky Gervais's writing partner. Um, so they wrote The Office together. Oh, okay. and uh, yeah, not the not the first person. He was the voice of Wheatley in uh, Portal Two, huh. and uh, okay. yeah, not the first guy I would picture to be in a dark, gritty, R-rated, blood and guts everywhere superhero movie. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very interested to see how this plays out because I kind of like this was a good primer on like what to kind of expect, but it kind of seems like they might even be doing their own thing with that story probably yeah um especially because old man logan the comic relies a lot on like captain america and the hulk showing up and Mm. a lot of the marvel characters that they don't have the rights to over at fox showing Mm. up like uh like wolverine kills the hulk in the movie in the in the in the comic uh Uh, that sounds um, about right yeah and like hulk's inbred family is there mark millar mark millar (laughs) Surprising no one no since one. the early 2000s. Yep. Good old stupid Mark Millar. Yeah. Man, I don't like that guy. Like as a person. Yeah. He just kind of goes for the shock value. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that'll do it. Do uh, you have any th- other thoughts on Logan? No. But come come join me this weekend to go see it. It's yeah. amazing. I'm ridiculously excited about it. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Uh, hopefully there's more stuff on there now besides the Oscars. Uh, I live <laughs> tweeted the Oscars last night, so if you go look at my feed right now, it's just a bunch of talking about the Oscars. Um, and then uh, you can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. You can find my other podcast, The Movie Word, with Josh Tarpley over there at wordofthenerd.com you can find our youtube channel real perspective over on youtube just search real perspective um we have sometime soon i think a uh, a video about the dark knight trilogy going up as well as a game space um featuring cory tindall and yeah i'm pretty excited about all that so you should go check that out um i think that's it uh yeah until next time go watch powerless yeah Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>